Here's a summary of Shake Free by Pastor Samuel Rodriguez in about 30 seconds. So it follows the story of Paul in his journey in Acts where he got onto a ship that he knew it was stormy seas. He knew it was going to be tough and he went on anyway. And what happened next? Well, he got into a shipwreck. He survived by holding on to broken pieces of the ship to float to shore. That means you can hold on to the littlest parts of your life, the broken pieces. God uses those. He does great things with them. And then when you get, he got to shore, he dealt with snakes jumping out of the fire and attacking him. Just how you deal with snakes every day. And what he did is he just shook it off. And ultimately, Pastor Rodriguez's message is that you have to get on the boat. Because if that's where God has you go, he's going to take care of the rest. Now with more about his book, it's Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. It's called Shake Free. Let's talk about what was your inspiration in writing about Paul? The Apostle Paul to me, of course, is an iconic figure, not only in the New Testament, but if you are a Christian, his personal narrative served as an inspiring testimony of perpetual overcoming. In Acts chapter 27, he his way to Rome, and for arguably the most important day of the advancement of the gospel. In Acts chapter 23, God speaks to him and tells him, you're going to get to Rome. This God reach the most important city in your lifetime. He's on his way to Rome. On his way to Rome, he suffers a nor'easter, a massive storm. He survives a shipwreck. He has a layover in an island called Malta, where a snake jumps out of the fire and tries to kill him. So he overcomes a shipwreck, a storm, and a snake attack only because he was en route to fulfilling his God-given purpose and destiny. So it serves as a metaphor for each and every one of us. Well, I love that. And, and how often do I do this in my life where I think, okay, I'm, I, I think this is where God wants me to go. And then I hit a shipwreck and I think, okay, God, I guess not. You know, how do you push through that, that disappointment and, and, and keep pushing forward? Arguably, it takes biblical maturity and an appropriate discernment, and that can only come about via the conduit of prayer and adherence to God's Word. But arguably, shipwrecks and storms may very well indicate the fact that you're on the right path. And so it's, it's actually that in the narrative we have where everything has to be Pollyannish and perfect and, and as some sort of utopia in order for you to somehow validate your journey. We all go through storms in life. If it's not family, it's financial, it could be health-related, it could be ministry-related, career-related. We all go through storms, and some of us go through shipwrecks, where we actually lose the conduit by which we thought that would be the delivery mechanism that would take us to our proverbial Rome. But it speaks to a journey that is way beyond the circumstances of the now. It speaks to the grace of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the fullness of God's purpose in each of our respective lives. So really, it's a different way of looking what we're going through in our current circumstance. I love the visual picture as you talk about in the Bible that, um, you know, everyone survived that shipwreck by only by grabbing broken pieces of wood. What, what a beautiful metaphor for life. Hey, isn't that, I mean, to me... Uh, because I live in California and I'm, I'm involved in the movie industry in addition to pastoring. And to me, I'm somewhere down the road, I'm going to somehow attempt to put this on the big screen <laughs> because it, and, and with a 21st century modern contextualized you know, script and, and optics, but it is truly powerful. He literally held on to broken pieces of wood. How many of us made it or, or are alive today because we held on to, to a broken piece of wood or we held on but it was a piece of the ship, but it was broken. God does great 
things with broken pieces. And maybe we held on just to a little bit of faith, to maybe mom's prayer or dad's prayer, or, or maybe a, a verse we picked up in our, in our vacation Bible school. Maybe we held on just to a piece. That piece was sufficient to take us safely on shore. Mm. So um, talking about shake free, it's Samuel Rodriguez, how to deal with the storms, shipwrecks, and snakes in your life. Now, we're, when, when I say snakes, I think about people that might be um, detrimental to us. Do you, is, is that, is that kind of what, what you're talking about with snakes necessarily? Maybe some people that you need to shake off? <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm telling you, listen, that, and, and that, that's, an ad, that's an accurate assessment indeed. It, ironically enough, he survives a shipwreck, the storm. The next thing that happens, he thinks he's safe, and here comes the snake. And they jump out of the fire. And that's just as a metaphor, by the way. When things really begin to heat up in your life, in, in, the, in the right direction, it prompts the snakes and the vipers to really expose themselves. So when, when they do come out, what do we do? It, the Apostle Paul didn't have a prolonged conversation. There's nothing in Scripture that says Paul spoke to the snake, had a conversation with the snake, fasted about the snake, prayed about the snake. Paul just did one simple thing. He shook it off. In essence, in essence, parenthetically speaking, listen, if you would have a conversation with a snake, it would sound a bit like this. Do you realize who you're attacking? I just survived a nor'easter and a shipwreck. If, if you would have popped out maybe three weeks ago, you may have prompted me to get a bit scared. But do you realize what I just survived? Meaning, you, you don't, this doesn't even intimidate me anymore. And he just shook it off like, nah. If the storm didn't get me and the shipwreck didn't get me, I know God has, has his hands upon me to take me to Rome. So he shook it off. We need to learn to shake things off. Criticism, uh, a, a adversarial, uh, antagonistic, con con contrarian, competing, negative personalities, atmospheres, surroundings, relationships. Uh, we need to learn how to shake things off. If there's something Paul teaches us, it's when you're a Christ follower you really have the biblical wherewithal to shake things off. Sometimes I think people can be afraid to go. I mean, if you think about Paul, you know, you're talking about, you know, going to a new place, getting on this boat. A lot of people are afraid to step on the boat because they know, uh oh, there could be a storm coming. You know, you see in the future, this could go badly. And so they're not, you know, what would you say to somebody who's afraid to even take that first step onto the boat? And by the way, in full biblical disclosure, I'm really committed to, to biblical exegete and, and sound preaching and teaching. Right. So in full disclosure, Paul knew. He actually warned them and said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, don't do this. Worst time to do it. Worst time. And they actually ignored him, but Paul still went on the boat. <laughs> Meaning Paul knew there was a storm, but somehow he knew that God's purpose on his life was greater than any circumstance that could fall before him. What you carry, what you carry is greater than anything you can go through. God's purpose in you is greater than anything that can come against you. So I would encourage, step out, go ahead, get on the boat, regardless of the weather report, regardless of the circumstances, get on the boat. We each have a role. Each and every person has a role. We have that God-given, God-ordained destiny. We have this life that God has planned for us. And we need to somehow reach that Rome and fulfill our God-given purpose and destiny. Get on the boat. 
the circumstances, the shipwrecks, the snakes, they, they may appear. They may be part of the, the collective meta-narrative. But at the end of the day, Paul made it to Rome. The gospel message was preached. And guess why we're discussing Christ and the church and the Apostle Paul today? Because the Apostle Paul made it to Rome. Hmm. Amen. So one, uh, one thing, I, I just was thinking about this, this, uh, this uh, parallel, you know, that um, it, Paul was at the bottom, everything was broken, and God restored that. And sometimes I see that now with, you know, our country. A lot of people are fearful of what's going on. Um, and I think it's, a, I would be interested to hear your perspective on this. You know, as the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, you know, I feel, I'm afraid that, you know, the church, we should have been leading with race reconciliation, but I feel like maybe we've fallen behind on that. How do, how do we get, how do we go back to that biblical perspective where, you know, God loves everybody and we should too. Hey, you know, this, I, this obsession that we have to somehow scapegoat and pass the proverbial buck to donkeys and elephants, respectfully donkeys and elephants <laughs> as representatives of Republicans and Democrats. Why, why are we as a church looking for a political solution when we have a prophetic antidote? We are the answer. Matthew five fourteen. we are the light of the world. We're the church. And again, the donkey never died for me and the elephant never resurrected for me, but the lamb did. The lion of Judah did. And we need to, we need to be people advancing the lamb's agenda. And part of the lamb's agenda it's recognizing that every single human being is created in the image of God, in and out of the womb, from the moment of conception, from the womb to the tomb, without exception. So it behooves us to lead the charge for racial reconciliation. We must be the ones leading the charge to saying, wait a second, every child is created in the image of God. Every child carries a stamp, the fingerprint of God's of God's reality. So if we are the ones that should be compelled in leading the charge to bringing the races together. The answer to America's problem is a, is one united church. A divided church can never heal a broken nation. So what I am tired of hearing are terms like the white church, the black church, the Latino church, the Asian church. There's only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. But we must be intentional in making sure that our churches reflect the mosaic and the tapestry of God's creation. I am intentional in my church. Our church, if you go on any given Sunday, by the way, in my church, you cannot, and I say that, you know, my church, the church I pastor by the grace of God, in that church, you cannot tell the majority ethnic group. You'll be hard-pressed to do it. And we've had guest speakers, very prominent speakers, who have actually stated it is arguably the most diverse church I've ever seen. And that's intentional. We want to look like the kingdom of heaven. We want to look like the body of Christ. A united church can heal, can heal a broken nation. But it means black, white, yellow, brown coming together as children of God, born again, committed to the centrality of Jesus, and advancing the Lamb's agenda. Reconciling Billy Graham's message with Dr. King Jr.'s March for Justice. That's what this generation must do. If you want to start having a deeper prayer life, if you want to start praying just in general, you need some help, you need some ideas, well, Amy Boucher-Pry has written a book called Seven Ways to Pray. Really kind of cool, unique things that you can try out. And she's going to be in the 30 Second Book Club podcast next week.